Well, happy uh, December 26th. Here it is. Uh, it's Boxing Day. Did anybody get that prompt on their phone? Aren't you grateful for ridiculous prompts on your phone? On December 23rd, it beeped and said, tomorrow's Christmas Eve. And I was grateful for that, duh. And then on Christmas Eve, it said, tomorrow's Christmas Day. Today, it told me it's Boxing Day. And I thought I knew what Boxing Day was. It never really bothered me or occurred to me what it was, but I thought I literally thought it was, I think like most Americans, that today's the day you put the presents that you don't want in a box and you take them back to the store. I thought it was return day. I, I looked it up and apparently it has a legitimate uh, beginning uh, in the UK and the United Kingdom back in the day, the lords of the manor, the, the aristocracy would give their servants the 26th of December off. It was Boxing Day and you would get your Christmas box from the aristocracy. It was your, their gift to you as a servant, as a worker. You had the day off and you could take your Christmas box home to um, your family. Well, here we are. It's the day after Christmas. We're still in the Christmas season. The Advent wreath is still burning. The Christmas trees are still up. The crash is still up here in the front. Students still have another week off. Epiphany is still about a week and a half away. But for me, and probably for you, there's a little bit of a letdown. It's the day after, like Jamie said, the big exhale. And in many ways, that's nice. It's a time to relax. But I've got the kind of personality, and maybe you do too, that's a little bit down after days like yesterday. I walked by the Christmas tree in our home this morning. Both girls were still asleep. And we do a good job of focusing on what Christmas is all about, the birth of Jesus. But we celebrate presents. It's like, like everybody else. And as I walked by the Christmas tree, there were no presents under the tree anymore. For weeks, there have been building this stash of gifts, and they all got opened yesterday. And so now it was a little bit bare. And I thought, oh, shucks. Have you ever been a part of a planning a big event? And I'm thinking specifically about a wedding. Maybe it's been a year or two of planning and looking forward and details and excitement, and it's going to be so great. And then it comes and you celebrate, and it is great. But the next day you're like, wow, now what? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. It's good to celebrate and commemorate holidays and holy festivals. God says do that. The Old Testament is full of festivals instituted by God. Take, take some time off. Party! Celebrate God's goodness and remember what I've done for you in your lives. But there's also common days, and we know those all too well, don't we? The Monday through Friday, or maybe it's a different lineup for you, but fighting traffic and dealing with the kids dealing with your spouse and dealing with the things of life that are just ordinary. And is, is God in those or is he just Sunday mornings and on Christmas day? Well, the book of Deuteronomy talks a little bit about this and we'll dig into it a little bit more later. In the sixth chapter, we, we read here, O Israel, the Lord, our God is, is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give to you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Let's come together in prayer this morning. I'm going to use Martin Luther's um, morning prayer. It's found in our catechism. It made sense this morning because it's the prayer he prayed every day, the, the ordinary days of his life. So let's pray this. I thank you, my heavenly father, through Jesus Christ, your dear son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger. And I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and my life might please you. Into your hands I commend myself, my body and my soul in all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. And we pray this in Jesus' name, and together we all say, 
Amen. Number one for us on December 26 is that Jesus lived about 30 years before we really get to know him. Interesting, right? So Jesus lived about 30 years before we really get to know him. Luke 3.23 says Jesus himself was about 30 uh, years old when he began his ministry. Now we have a few details about those first 30 years, right? We know the birth, the manger of Christmas, and then he's presented at the temple seven days later for the circumcision and the pres presentation. And Simeon takes him in his arm and speaks those beautiful words. And then the flight to Egypt and the return, and they kind of lose him, but they don't lose him. <laughs> he gets lost in the crowd. Then he's 12 years old and he's in the temple, amazing people. And, and that's really all we have of Jesus for those first 30 years. So what in the world was he doing? He was living an everyday December 26 kind of life. He was getting up and, and going to work. There are two verses that speak about these years in Luke 2. The first one is Luke 2.40. Uh, and, and the child, Jesus, grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And then later in Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. He was doing in many ways what we do every day. We grow up and, and live a normal life. Maybe you've been living kind of an everyday, mundane, December 26 kind of life. Author uh, Rod Dreyer says this, everydayness is my problem. It's easy to think about what you would do in wartime or if a hurricane blows through or if you, you spent months in Paris or if your guy wins the election or if you won the lottery and bought that thing that you really wanted. He says it's a lot more difficult to figure out how you're going to get through today without despair. It's comforting to know that this God with us, this Emmanuel that we learned so much about just two days ago, filled his everyday life doing a lot of the everyday things that we do. December 26 kind of living. And he wants to be in our everyday lives. Uh, number two is like point number one, Jesus lived an everyday sort of life. I'll be careful here. We'll talk about it. But he really did live an everyday sort of life. He's in the temple as an adult man saying amazing things that only a man of God would say. And the crowd reacts and they say, who is this guy? Isn't he the carpenter? He was the guy that worked down the street at the construction site. Truly, that's how they knew him. He was an everyday, ordinary guy. How, how is he saying these things? The original language for carpenter may mean carpenter. It was for sure someone who worked with their hands. He was a craftsman of some sort. Maybe he was a laborer. Maybe he, maybe he picked up and carried heavy things for a living. Jesus lived an everyday sort of life. He ate, he slept, he walked, he wept, he prayed, he cooked, he washed. He read. Of, of course, he did extraordinary things. That's how we know him. He is the God man. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. But at the same time, he also lived in the ordinary. We get fooled into thinking that God stuff happens on special occasions. Sunday mornings in church, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day for sure, probably on Easter, and a couple of other religious occasions when in fact God invades the everyday, the mundane, the whole hum days, the nothing excitement going on kind of days, December 26th kind of days. God could do everything he, himself, but he chooses to work through ordinary people like me and like you. And he calls us to live for him in the everyday. We're all familiar with people who decide that everyday boring kind of life isn't for them, but they don't pursue the wholeness of life that comes with a relationship with God. They pursue it in what the world offers, right? They go for the money. Okay. They go for fame. They go for power. And it seems almost without exception when they get there, they go, 
oh no, this, this is not at all fulfilling. This is not at all what I expected. I was looking up some celebrities who actually hate their fame. Interesting. There's a lot of them. I found George Clooney. We all know George Clooney. He says fame can be dangerous because you can start to enjoy that part of it. And that's not the good part of what I do for a living. He says the good part I do is making films. The unpleasant part is the fame. Isn't that interesting? Coming from a guy who the world says has everything, he says this is not where the fulfillment is. Now, he, he mentions nothing of God, and I wish he did, but for our purposes here this morning, it tells me that finding wholeness, finding big life doesn't come from the excitement of what the world offers, but in Christ Jesus, even on December 26th. was at a Christian concert years ago, probably decades ago. Lincoln Brewster was his name. You might be familiar with him. Writes great songs, leads great worship. It was a Christian rock festival kind of atmosphere, loud music, lights, everyone's cheering. Yay, big crowd. And he kind of stopped us about three quarters of the way through. And he was gentle with us and, and, and gracious, but he said, you know, all this cheering is really for Jesus. He said, I appreciate the encouragement. It makes me feel good. But he said, I was not built for this. He said, I was built for the everyday ordinary. Isn't that interesting? A rock star up there getting screamed at by thousands saying, stop it. I'm not built for this. I can't handle it. And we know that to be true. Number three, Jesus challenges our thoughts about the mundane. We think the mundane is boring. Traffic, the kids taking out the garbage, watching Browns games. Uh, <laughs> he challenges our thoughts about the mundane. Matthew 10, 42, if anyone gives a cup of cold water, is there anything less exciting <laughs> than handing up a cup of cold water? If anyone does that to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly, I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Jesus says, good for you. I'm turning that ordinary mundane thing of giving a cup of water into something holy. And I see it and I recognize it. Our lives are separated into the common, the everyday stuff and the sacred. God says that and he's careful about it. And it's interesting, the sacred and the common, the consecrated and the everyday. And he says, I will be Lord over both of those. Not just the sacred, not just the holy, but the common, the everyday the stuff that you go through Monday through Friday and on December 26th. All right, so we started with Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Let's go back there. Love the Lord with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today, and they're to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. And then he says, I want those to be a part of your everyday, boring life kind of stuff. He says, talk about God's stuff when you sit at home, when you walk along the road. When you lie down, I want to be a part of you when you get up. He says, tie them as symbols on your hands, these everyday things that are at the end of our arms and on your foreheads. He said, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, where you are every day. That's where I want to be. You can know blessing and overwhelming joy every day in the mundane parts of your life if you let God in. You can know blessing and overwhelming joy in the mundane December 26 kind of days, if you let God in. One blog writer that I was reading says this. She said, brushing my teeth. Is there anything more ordinary or mundane than that? What possibly could be the hidden blessing? And then I thought about the fact that I have clean water 
I'm not in danger of contracting a waterborne disease as I brush my teeth. Globally, about 6.6 million people do not have access to clean water. 1.6 million people die every year from waterborne diseases. And then she writes about getting dressed and the same thing. What could be less exciting than putting on clothes? But then she realizes that almost, not almost everybody, but so many in the world don't, don't have enough clothes. And then she talks about cleaning the bathroom and said, when I consider approximately a third of the world's population does not have a toilet to clean, I know how blessed I am. Yeah, cleaning the toilet, putting on your jeans, brushing your teeth, that's all God's stuff. If you let him be Lord of it, and you're living your life for him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And isn't it just like God to encourage us to use everyday things for the sacred? Doesn't he say, use water and my word to baptize? Water, it's everywhere, it's common. Use common, ordinary, December 26 kind of stuff with my word to wash people and to bring them into my kingdom. Doesn't he tell us to use bread and wine? Oh, bread and wine and consecrate it, set it apart for a holy purpose. And with my word, it is my body and my blood mysteriously in holy communion, Christ coming to us. The God of the mundane is our God. And then he died on an everyday piece of wood and normal everyday nails were driven into his body and an ordinary sponge was soaked in ordinary wine vinegar and stuck on the tip of a regular Roman spear and lifted up to his mouth. And then he died. He's wrapped in everyday normal burial cloth and put into a normal tomb. And all, all that happened so divine God could come into and invade our December 26th, boring the middle of February. I can't believe how dark it is at 4.30 kind of life. The forgiveness of sins. See, the biggest challenge you have right now Whatever it is, and you're thinking about it right now, is not the biggest challenge in your life. The most intense problem that you're trying to solve is not the most intense problem you're facing. Whatever the impossible thing is that you're up against is not the most impossible thing that you'll ever face. Why? Because the biggest thing we face is a separation from God and no hope without him because of sin. But God the divine, the one who runs everything, came into everyday, boring, mundane kind of stuff to be our rescuer. And he arrived on the scene to bring the whole world hope and peace and rescue. It's pretty hard to make the Christmas story seem ordinary because it was so extraordinary. But God pulled it off using very common things. A small, insignificant nation that no one had ever heard of, Israel, was used by God to keep his covenant. The remnant was alive in Israel. And through that line, through that lineage and genealogy, Jesus came, everyday kind of people. And this Messiah comes, born of a common, poverty-stricken teenager named Mary. And he came in a stable with regular animals, and he was put in a common feeding trough among common shepherds. He called fishermen and tax collectors and others to be his followers and to be the representatives of his who set up his early church. December 26 kind of stuff, and God invades it. 
Seems like it's a bit of a sidebar, but we'll bring it around. Um, be reminded that Paul had a side job. <laughs> Paul, the Apostle Paul, yeah, he had a side hustle. Uh, Acts 18, 2 and 3, he, Paul, met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. And then Paul went to see them because he was a tent maker, as they were, and he stayed and he worked with them. Paul, the evangelist, God called also to be someone who sewed tents together. And although God calls us to be his his disciples and spokespeople, oftentimes he gives us real full-time jobs, as many of you know, just like Paul had. Some funny jobs that I looked up, um, a, a snake milker. A snake milker are brave people who handle venomous snakes and somehow manipulate the fangs to get the venom up. And I give, they give, guess they give that to pharmaceutical companies to make stuff. Um, there's a thing called a a chick sexter. These are people who pick up every baby chicken that's born and flip them over and determine whether they're a boy or girl. That's <laughs> that's the real job. There's something called an animal colorist. This is someone who dyes animals for movies or marketing campaigns. I suppose if you've got a trained dog whose fur is too light, they give them to the animal colorist and they dye their fur darker. Uh, a dog surfing instructor. That is self-explanatory. That is obviously in California. And um, this is, and you've heard about this, but I think it's so uh, tickling that they have lifeguards at the Olympics, um, at the swimming events, the best swimmers who've ever lived going down the lanes, there, racing their, their hearts out. Yeah. There's a guy on the side waiting to rescue them, to pull them out if, if they need to be helped. Well, Paul's job was a tent maker, but what he understands is that whatever circumstance he was in, whether he was preaching a sermon, writing a part of the Bible or sewing a tent together, he was doing it to the glory of God. And if God took Paul, who was so important to the early church, to the church, writing a portion of our New Testament, setting up churches, if God said, you know, but Paul, I want you to spend some time making tents too, maybe he's doing the same with us. We are called to be evangelists and spokespeople, but maybe God's saying, I, I want you to do this, this side hustle as well. Martin Luther writes a lot on the everyday, ordinary, mundane life, and he says every occupation has its own honor before God. Ordinary work is a divine vocation or calling. In our daily work, no matter how important or mundane, we serve God by serving the neighbor, and we also participate in God's ongoing providence for the human race. Finally, number five. Jesus celebrates mundane activities done in his name. When we do the everyday stuff, the December 26th kind of stuff in his name, he celebrates that. Romans 12, 1 from the message translation, take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping and you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. It's interesting that our Jesus elevates the everyday kind of life, but does not mention what the world says says is important. I was reading one commentator, and what they write helps me a lot, maybe helps you too. They write, living for Christ on ordinary days is evidenced when you have a calm delight. Ooh, that's good for me. Living for Christ on the Monday through Friday, December 26th kind of days is evidenced when you live in a calm delight. We have a unique occasion before Christ comes again to visit people and witness to them and serve them in a unique way. When Christ comes again, it's all festival. It's all December 24th, 25th kind of stuff. But here we are before he comes in this unique time where we can serve him. 
on Monday through Friday on December 26th when we take the tree down and we look around and we say, is this really all there is? Yes, this is all there is, but Christ is in it and it's to his glory. Like your family, we've been wrestling with COVID and how to you know, navigate through it. So last Christmas, December 20 of 20, uh, we couldn't go to Columbus to visit relatives that we see every year. We usually go like on December 27th, 28th, and we have Christmas with them down there. We couldn't do it because of COVID. So, so we had Christmas in July. We had it at our house outside where it was safe. And my neighbors thought we were crazy. I hung up Christmas lights and put up a Christmas tree and a wreath. And we played Christmas music really loud outside and made some Christmas food, not all Christmas food. And our last name is Ryan, so we had Ryan Deer Games. We were outside playing croquet, and, and it was a blast, and it was Christmas in July. You maybe did something like that, too, because Christmas is in July, and it is today, and it is in January, and it'll be in the darkest days of February when I can't believe it's so dark so early, and it's in July, and it's in August, because Christ has come, Emmanuel with us, God with us, not just on that special day, but every day of our lives to forgive us, to love us, to encourage us, to move us, to be our God as we are his people. Some really common next steps, as you can imagine, at a message like this. Uh, see God in the everyday stuff of life, in the, in the everyday stuff, the baking and the cleaning the dishes and putting the stuff away and the parenting your kids. Secondly, celebrate God's calling to serve others in ordinary ways, giving a cup of cold water, taking care of the needy, God is so in that stuff. And number three, celebrate all of the regular days coming up in 2022. There's going to be a bunch. We're still in COVID. It's going to be weird. But celebrate God's goodness in all of those things. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are people living in a world of both special holidays and festival times, but also in a world of the ordinary, the mundane, the boring let us find you in both the festival and the normal days. Let us count on you and depend on you in both situations. Let us see your goodness in the routine tasks you daily set before us. You are the God of the extraordinary and the God of the ordinary. Let us, as we face a return to normal, find our complete comfort and our total treasure and our only hope in you. We pray this in Jesus' name, and together we all say, Amen. Amen.